G'day all, and welcome back to another episode in the Tiger Tales podcast series. This episode is an absolute beauty as the Albury Tigers rise from wooden spooners in 1984 to take a glorious premiership in 1985 against fierce rivals Lavington in one of the greatest Ovens and Murray Football League grand finals in history. A huge thanks to the Joss Group for making this episode possible. Righto, Robbie, let it rip. The Albury Tigers under coach Tom Doolan had started the 80s very successfully, winning the 1982 Premiership and runner-up in 1981 and 83. 1984 was a complete contrast, winning just two games and falling to the bottom of the ladder. The dramatic drop stung the club hard. They responded under new coach Russell Campbell to climb a mountain many thought impossible as they got off the canvas to deliver one of the greatest Premiership triumphs in the Tigers' proud history. I hope you enjoy Tiger Tales 1985, Rags to Riches. If I look at the, the grand final going back, Aubrey Lavie had a fierce rivalry, not just in 85. I go, you know, you go back to 82, 83, 84, and, and 85. So that rivalry was over a, a four year period. There was no love lost between both clubs. And living in the town the whole week, everywhere you went, grand final day in in the Ovens of Murray and Albury playing Lavi was it was a town event or a city event. You know, wherever you went, it was, it was streamers in all the shops and the colours in the shops and wherever you went, everyone wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah, there was this real, it was a real community thing, you know, from Lavi's perspective, but also, you know, from our perspective. Playing at Martin Park in Wodonga, I guess could not get over the crowd when I first got to the ground. Uh, that was a big thing. And in those days too, Everyone was allowed out on the ground. So when you actually ran out onto the ground on grand final day, it was just people everywhere. One other big memory for me was that second quarter we didn't score. So we've gone in half time not scoring. And then three quarter time, Russell Campbell's giving us our address and you got all this big crowd of people around you at the huddle, quite amazing. And then, you know, they start the Aubrey chant. Well, you know, that gets the goosebumps going and then to go out and have the last quarter like we did was, you know, that, that type of, you know, you never get to experience that. I think at the end of the day, it was just having, oh, Russell Campbell was a very disciplined coach, instilled a lot of confidence in you as a player, communicated with you and was very direct in what he expected out of you. And, you know, he gave you that confidence that, you know, this is the job you need to do, and I, you know, I really think you can go out there and do it. So yeah, having having someone like that who was our leader at the club give you that confidence. I, I think that was probably one of the big factors in in I guess in my performance at the back end of the year. I think it was not until probably you know there's that one or two minutes to go that we really started to have that feeling. You could look at your fellow players and have that feeling that you know we're going to get this we're going to get this and uh that was when it was just in that last couple of minutes of the game that, that really hit us that we've achieved something fantastic here that was a 19 year old defender jeff duck who was best on ground in both the preliminary final and the grand final all right let's get stuck in to the full story of 1985 When Tommy Doolan stepped down as playing coach at the end of 1984, after four years, he left as one of the Tigers' most successful ever coaches. One premiership, three grand finals, pre-season premiership and two club championships. A hard act to follow indeed, as the search began for Aubrey President Brian Curphy and recruiting manager Peter Chuck Miller to find the right man. Enter Russell Campbell, a 26-year-old who had coached Kuhlman the two previous years, including a premiership in 1983. Campbell played four games at South Melbourne, explains his arrival. Towards the end of most seasons and that sort of thing, when you've been a coach and you, you tend to have a few clubs sort of looking around for a coach, so whether that be in the same league or different leagues, so 
in this case, I guess it was Aubrey, and I didn't really know probably until um, till well after our own final series where I was coaching Coolman in the RFL that Peter Miller had been up from Albury a couple of times and had a little bit of a look. Obviously, came out and listens to uh, had a listen to see how you spoke and if you knew what you were talking about and all that sort of thing. So from there, I received the phone call and uh, it all basically went from there. And I guess the other thing too was, uh, you know, there was people at, at the Albury Footy Club that connected a little bit to my uh, family as well. So that was a little bit of an association as well. Uh, I, I, I always like to challenge. I, I've always sort of wanted to coach and I'd only had two years out coaching after playing in other areas. And I, it was always a challenge to coach and uh, coach someone that, you know, that, that hadn't done well, where, you know, I, there was plenty of room for improvement and I was happy to do that. I was young enough. I was keen. I was very, very driven and uh, and I was really keen to take on a challenge of a team. And, and obviously, you know, you have other teams that have uh, approached you or clubs that have approached you to coach. But this one really did interest me. Um, Aubrey, Ovens and Murray, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to the Ovens and Murray, you know, at that time in my coaching career? So that was a, that was an ideal opportunity and it was good timing and, and I was really happy to, uh, you know, take up that challenge. As I said, I was very self-driven and I was very keen keen to win not to run second and I felt quite confident in my own ability uh, to do a good job at any club and and that one in particular because of where they'd finished down the ladder we really needed to turn a lot of things around so I guess the first thing I needed to do was to get to Albury and actually meet the players and I remember back in the day I think it might have been around November or something that I went down and we met the players at the club rooms um, had a bit of a chat and I just let them know what I, I required, you know, as far as commitment and uh, from the players themselves. And I guess the first thing we did was say, all right, we've got to get fit. You know, you, you can have as many skills and everything as you like or what you'd like, but fitness is a very key element that you need to have before you can actually execute, you know, your skills. So that was the first thing that really drove me. And I, I wasn't sure. I didn't do a lot of homework on what had happened the year before. I just saw where they finished. But I just felt that, you know, just the commitment of um, training hard and getting fit uh, was a really good uh, start to any season. And uh, November was a good time to kick it off. So we spoke about things like that. And I don't know whether everyone was too pleased with it, but that was the way it was going to go. And I remember driving into Albury that first day and I remember driving up the main street and I said to my wife, Kim, I said, see that monument up the top there? I'm going to set a goal that we actually do that through pre-season, that we actually run that. Everyone's going to have to run it. They're going to have times to run it in. Yeah, I was very, very self-driven about fitness in the early part. Ross Hillary, who came to the Tigers from Jarilvery in 1984, and assistant coach Rod Coelli spoke about the pre-season and the changes made by Campbell. We uh, had a huge impact right from the very start that we're in for a, uh, a very solid year. Just with the way he spoke about the way pre-season was going to be run, his thoughts for what was required from uh, the players. He didn't pull any punches because obviously we were coming for a wooden spoon the year before and uh, Russell certainly said that uh, he was expecting big things. So everyone was uh, very keen to to have a real crack. So pre-season kicked off, mate, and it was solid. Russell was uh, very... Probably ahead of his time a bit uh, with his preparation and um, and training methods. Extremely thorough in everything he did. Pre-season training was yeah pretty long and tough. Pete Cross, a bit of the training as well. And, and Crossy was always a uh, very keen trainer. I think the main thing is we had a, a fair change of personnel. A lot more younger fellows played in 85 compared to 84. And we lost a fair few uh, our better players in 84 from 83. So uh, we still had a very strong core, you know, like we had the two crosses and, and myself and Peter Taylor and, um, you know, and Daryl Bakes, of course. So we had a, a nucleus of a pretty strong side. A few of the younger fellows like Colin Watson and um, Mark Britton and Ducky, they got better and better and better. So it sort of went for a pretty good mix. And and then what probably the other thing is that Russell Campbell was just a fanatical. How we played, our fitness was far superior to anybody else in the comp. 
in, in the first half, and that's why we won every game in the first half by Laddie. But um, I'd say um, we're just super fit. He trained us pretty hard. We had a few old heads together that um, sort of pushed the young fellas along a little bit and um, kept them, um, you know, interested because um, it's easy for them to drop off. He, he was very strict about how we played. He put a lot of rules in place. You know, and, and really drummed it hard in the training track and, 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 and did put a lot of emphasis on fitness. Very clear about exactly how we're going to play the game and what each player should should do and not do. And, and he certainly pulled you up pretty quickly if you, if you got outside his scope. <laughs> tell me about it. He, he was so well planned. You're telling me, can you tell me the story again about it? He, he had a plan midway for the season, how things might go in the grand final. <laughs> Just imagine one night at... At selection, he said, Leon, this is what I'm going to, a few games out before the end of the season, this is what I'm going to do on grand final. I'm going, holy smokes, we've got a, a little bit of way to go. But um, what he actually said was um, um, he actually did, and um, he did it to the word. So I <laughs> don't know how he had such foresight, but he, anyway, he did. And, um, and and what he actually put into place, he did himself. And he certainly put a pigeon amongst early in the game because he kicked the first three goals and no one knew who was on him and where he started and what he did. So it certainly uh, worked in our favour. So. The Tigers named nine new players for the round one clash at home against Myrtleford. Two of these were returning, 1982 Premiership player Peter Taylor and Jeff Boyle. Dallas Kotzer and Mick Brown came in from Colcairn, John Danaher, Turvey Park, Russell McNuff, Jindra, Greg Butler, Kedron, which is in Queensland, Peter Brower, Lavington, and Russell Campbell himself. Aubrey won the first round by 17 points in one of the highest scoring matches in league history. Myrtleford could feel unlucky having kicked 23-15-153 and still lose. Aubrey led by 72 points at three-quarter time and were given a huge fright when the Saints kicked 12 last-quarter goals. Daryl Bakes and Paul Walt kicked five each, while Ross Hillary, Dallas Kotzer and Greg Butler were best. Round two was a trip to meet Wangaratta. A five-goal-to-one first quarter set up the Tigers' 22-point win, with Ruckman Peter Brower best on ground. Rod Coelli, Peter Cross and four goals to Dallas Kotzer were the other Tigers to stand out. Round three was all about big Daryl Bakes, who booted an amazing 17 gold seven behind in the Tigers' massive 143 demolition of Yarrawonga, as the Tigers booted 31-20-206 and take over top spot on the ladder. Kotzer chipped in with six golds, while Jay McNeil, Ross Hillary, Peter Cross and Peter Brow dominated. The Tigers, after trailing at quarter time, made it four from four with a 27-point win over Wodonga. Bakes continued his good form with six goals and Jeff Boyle four. Defenders Rod Coelli, Peter Cross and Laurie McGuinness made life tough for Wodonga forwards. The Tigers' unbeaten run ended at home to crosstown rivals and defending premiers North Aubrey, with the Hoppers running out 29-point winners. Daryl Bakes with seven goals, along with Laurie McGuinness and Peter Cross, were the only winners for the Tigers. Club football was put on hold for a week for the Round 1 clash in the Winfield Victorian Country Football Championships at Narandra, where the Ovens of Murray Football League, led by Aubrey's Rod Coelli, thumped the Riverina Football League by 111 points and qualify for the semi-finals at Donald against the North Central Football League on June 8. Peter Cross was the only other Tiger representative. The Tigers' next opponent, without coach Russell Campbell, was a tough one. Away to Benalla, with the Demons leading at half-time by four points. A five-goal-to-one third term broke the game open for the Tigers, with Darrell Bakes proving the difference. From eight kicks, Bakes kicked eight goals. At the other end of the ground, Benalla forward Russell Marshall had ten kicks. He kicked three goals, seven. Ross Hillary, Peter Taylor, Peter Cross and Jay McNeil were outstanding for the Tigers, who regained top position after Rovers upset Lavington. Ross Hillary spoke about the degree of planning the coach would go into. After the game, we'd avoid Russell a bit because all he wanted to talk about was uh, the game and more football, football, football. And we were just keen to relax a bit and have a beer. And uh, Russell's wife happened to be there and I chatted with her about how he just, it's always football when you talk to Russell. And she said, Ross, you've got it easy. At least when uh, you leave the football ground, that's the end of Russell. He's, she said, I, uh, 
head home with him and if you walk into our house into the bedroom on the on the walls were plastered things that the team needed to improve on the uh, the following week she said and they changed every week but uh, you'd wake up in the morning and there'd be a new uh, new sign on the wall saying uh, okay such and such needs to improve here and this is how we're going to do it uh, so Russell obviously must have got up through the night thought of something to uh, put pen to paper and whack it on the wall. So, yeah, she was quite amused when I was whinging about uh, how much he carried on with us. A brilliant ruck display from Peter Brower and four-quarter efforts from Ross Hillary and Russell Campbell were enough for the Tigers to sneak home by seven points against the Wangaratta Rovers, who kicked more goals than the winners and led by seven points at the last change before a five-goal-to-three last quarter retained the Tigers' top position on the ladder after seven rounds. Brower's first season at the Tigers would result in a best and fairest, which he repeated the following year in 1986. Premiership favouritism was on the line. Next up, with Aubrey travelling to the Lavington Sports Ground, with the game played on Easter Monday due to the Winfield Country Championships semi-final played on the Saturday between the Ovens and Murray Football League and North Central at Donald. The Ovens and Murray Football League advanced to the grand final with an easy 56-point win, Representing the Tigers were Rod Coelli and Peter Cross. Lavington also had three players playing. All five doubled up for the big clash on Easter Monday. It was a game of two halves, with Aubrey dominating the first half to lead by 23 points at half-time. The second half was all Lavington, as they added 11 of the last 15 goals to run out 21-point winners. To complete the halfway point of the home-and-away season, Aubrey hosted Coral Rutherglen. It was a comfortable 65-point win for Aubrey, with Daryl Bakes booting 10 goals, 10 behinds, in a brilliant display. It took his season's tally to 61. Jeff Duck, Ross Hillary and Russell Campbell were amongst the Tigers' best. The reserves were second on the ladder and the thirds in third spot as the competition returned for the home run. Aubrey, away to Myrtleford in round 10, got the expected tough encounter, with the Saints leading at half-time after both teams had booted 10 goals in a cracking first half of football. The Tigers, with Daryl Bakes and Ross Hillary both kicking five goals, broke clear in the second half to win by 27 points. The game featured the debut of Shane Fitzsimmons and the omission of Greg Butler. Butler felt the wrath of selectors and coach for a misguided trip to the snow, as Greg Butler explains. Disciplinary reasons, uh, Russell... Said, said all of us are gold. I was a bit mischievous and uh, paid the price. Uh, <laughs> actually, I went to the snow with a certain two other two people, well-known identities in Albury. <laughs> and pretty well, I just... You're, uh, you're allowed to go yeah. to the snow, surely, but... <laughs> well, I hadn't seen any. But, I, yes, I told Russell a lie and that wasn't a good thing to do, no. In hindsight, I, I know I let the team down over over, over that, and you know, let myself down. Uh, wonderful player came in in, uh, in my replacement, Shane Fitzy. So, and yeah, just couldn't get back in. So, and that's fine. The boys were winning. Can you just recall the um, the evening at training after you'd been to the snow and uh, <laughs> you and Russell Fortune in Brisbane? How it panned out? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Russell sort of said, "Did you know that you knew the rules?" And no, and uh, yes, yes, I just said yes, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I did shake his hand, and I said, uh, "Yep, sorry." Rest is history, as they say. I got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, once again, like I, like I said, I over the many years I thought about it, and I thought I was, I was very selfish about it, as in we were on a high, and yeah, and that's it's a team game, not a not a boxing ring, so. Well, Campbell said it was a tough but a simple decision to axe Butler. Yeah, look, look, he'd been a good contributor through, but sometimes, you know, how sometimes people might get a little bit comfortable in their own skin and where they're playing and it's going to happen again next week. And, and and it's funny, like at the start of the year, you set some rules and that with your team and, and you do it with the team, with the blessing of the team so that they buy into, you know, how you're going to, how you're going to go about this for us to be successful you know, rest up for the game and all that sort of stuff. Well, unfortunately for, for Bart, uh, 
he, uh, I think he might have got out on a couple of nights prior to a game or something like that. And, and you know, word filtered back and leaked back and said, well, look, what do we do here? And we said, well, we've obviously got to stick by our rules. So we spoke to Greg and said, well, look, Butch, you know, unfortunately you've, you've had a good time, I know, but it doesn't help the team. So you're, you're out. And so uh, we went back, but he, he was good about it. He went back, did that, fought his way back and had a, played a significant part in our, in our finals victory. But that's how it was. That's how we were structured. As I said, I was I was pretty self-driven as a coach. I, I liked a little bit of discipline, and I'm sure at the same time, there'll be plenty of other players who got out and, and went unnoticed and not got caught. <laughs> but that that was just the way it was at the time. We we really needed to not leave any stone unturned if we wanted to be successful after what happened the year before. Club football had it by on the last weekend of June for the grand final of the Wittenfield Victorian Country Football Championships at the Wangaratta Showgrounds between the Ovens of Murray and Ballarat Football League. Once again, Rod Coelli captain the side with Peter Cross by his side across the half-back line. The Ovens of Murray Football League, after trailing at half-time, powered away to thrash Ballarat by 56 points, with both Coelli and Cross amongst the best players. The victory under coach John Byrne was the league's first title since 1969. Aubrey were back at home in round 11 to take on the unpredictable Wangaratta, who had the previous round defeated Lavington. No upset at the sports ground, with the Tigers running out 50-point winners, with Russell Campbell best on ground ahead of Dallas Kotzer and the Cross brothers Peter and Terry. The Tigers would be without Rod Coelli for the away clash with Yarrawonga. Coelli was one of seven Ovens of Murray football players representing the VCFL in Mildura against the Victorian Amateurs. The country boys, led by a terrific game from Coelli, won by 10 goals, with a young Billy Brownless kicking five goals. Aubrey, with a bout of flu running through the club, had little trouble in defeating Yarrawonga at the Grove Oval by 62 points. Darrell Bakes landed nine goals, while Grant Burdack Jeff Duck and Peter Brower were in great touch. Duck says the tough season in 1984 was actually paying dividends in 1985. In 84, we had a fair few injuries at Albury and we had a lot of young guys at the footy club and because of those injuries, a lot of the younger guys, including myself, were all given a lot of game time and a lot of opportunity in 84, which then held us in good stead or was a good grounding then for 85. You know, in 84, I had Tom Doolan as my coach, and in 85, I had Russell Campbell. Both very good communicators, both very good managers of of men. Um, they gave a lot of guidance, a lot of direction, and they were really clear with what they expected. So to have those two guys coach me, I was very fortunate. And then at the club, player-wise, oh, yeah, you had Peter and Terry Cross, you had Rod Coelli, uh, you had Mark Britton, Jay McNeil. You had a lot of senior experience at the club, so you're always learning off those guys along the way. A Super Sunday clash at the Albury Sports Ground between Albury and Wodonga attracted a huge crowd in Round 13. Albury looked to be heading for a real percentage booster when they led by 47 points at half-time. The Bulldogs fought back, falling eight points short with both sides inaccurate. Albury 13-21 to Wodonga 12-19. Ross Hillary, Peter Brower, Peter Taylor and Russell Campbell stood out for the Tigers. So after 13 rounds, the Tigers had won 11 games and in many circles were outright premiership favourites. Fortunes were about to change as the Tigers were about to hit a late season form slump that was to start at Bunton Park in round 14. North Aubrey had inflicted the Tigers' first defeat in round five and went into the game very confident. Their confidence was vindicated as they again outclassed the Tigers, winning by 45 points. Jeff Duck, Peter Taylor and Peter Brower were gallant in defeat, while Grant Burdack and Ross Hillary both kicked four goals. The Tigers' premiership hopes copped another whack the following week at home to Benalla. The visitors made it nine games in a row without defeat, hammering Aubrey by 54 points. Grant Burdak kicked five, while for the second week running, Darrell Bakes was kept to just one goal. Shoulder injuries to Dallas Kotzer and Laurie McGuinness 
and another groin injury to Jeff Boyle completed a dark day. A trip to Wangaratta Rovers after back-to-back defeats appeared a very tough task and that is how it panned out with Aubrey falling short by 32 points. Greg Butler, Cole Watson and Russell Campbell were best for Aubrey. Ross Hillary was reported and recalls the incident. Yeah, Matty was only a young fellow and I was reasonably young at that stage too and he was playing on a back flank and I was up forward and obviously uh, the coach had told him, you know, uh, you need to play tight, bumping into me and I just give him a bit of a rib tickler and uh, unbeknownst to me, I don't know whether it was a boundary umpire or a goal umpire spotted me. Next thing I was in the book. I don't think I lost. I missed any games. I think um, I think Maddie sort of helped me out a bit as well. You know, I think he said he was bunging it on a bit, but uh, I did give him a decent one only in the in the gut. So, but he was only a he was only a young fellow as well, and that was the start of a uh, a brilliant career for Maddie. Actually, uh, played over at three hundred, didn't he? At Rovers, I think he might have went four. Four. Yeah. Oh well, good learning curve for both of you, Ross. Good introduction for him then. Uh, yeah. The final home game was against ladder leaders Lavington, who in heavy conditions outslogged a much improved Aubrey by 10 points. The disappointment of a fourth straight loss and likelihood of dropping out of the top three was written all over the despondent Tigers as they left the ground. The sombre mood though was given a huge lift when it was announced that Myrtleford had upset Wangaratta Rovers, meaning Aubrey retained the double chance and a win over sixth place Coral Rubber Glen next week in round 18 would secure a double chance come finals. Their fate was in their own hands. The trip to Corowa had the lot. Brilliant football, a stirring comeback and an all-in brawl. The Tigers trailed by 22 points at halftime and found their mojo as the fight back began in an epic second half as the lead changed eight times as Aubrey prevailed by 10 points. Darrell Bakes and Grant Burdak both kicked six goals, while Russell Campbell, Shane Fitzsimmons and Jeff Duck were superb. The game turned nasty in the final term when a spectator punched Aubrey's Peter Cross as a wild brawl broke out in front of the club rooms. Police were called to settle the brawl as players and spectators fought either side of the boundary. Tigers' Peter Taylor in his 100th match was reported for striking Mark Cook of the Roos. Ross Hillary takes up the story. Pretty big crowd watching it. And down at Corowa over on the uh, change room side there, where the locals used to uh, congregate. Yeah, a bit of a blue kicked off with right near the where the spectators were watching. All of a sudden... Uh, a guy jumped the fence and uh, Peter Cross was there and this bloke, Job Crossy, set him on his bum and I was in the near vicinity. So I then sat this guy on his bum as well and it was it was an all-in. Um, yeah, when you look back on it, it got a bit, uh, probably a bit scary because, uh, you know, we were right on the boundary line, right near the, the interchange area, 20 or 30 blokes that were watching that uh, very nearly got involved in the blue as well because it did spill over the boundary line over towards the fence. Yeah, it become a bit bigger than uh, what it should have. The guy that hit Peter Cross was yeah, come out with something along the lines of, uh, you're the one that started this fight, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Peter Taylor uh, was the guy that was reported and consequently got off at the tribunal because uh, it wasn't him either. It certainly wasn't me that uh, jobbed the Corowa player, so I just can't remember, but it was certainly me that uh, mm. knocked over the bloke that, that hit Peter Cross. Yeah, I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't know who it was. That you were reasonably innocent, Ross, just doing what you had to do. You could say that. When a bloke jumps the fence and hits one of your teammates, uh, you don't escort him off the ground... Uh, with a pat on the back, mate. There you go. But the good news was that Taylor was cleared at the tribunal and free to play in the qualifying final. So the final five finished with Lavington, minor premiers, Benalla second, Aubrey third. Fourth was North Aubrey and fifth, Wangaratta Rovers. Aubrey took out the club championship with the Tigers seconds, minor premiers and the thirds finishing fourth. Despite the poor finish to the season, Russell Campbell could see plenty of positives heading into the finals. 
Well, I, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to you're sort of getting, you know, way through to the season and you're about to start, you know, the, the main part of the year, which is the finals. And whether it was that we, we might have loaded the training a little bit at that stage where we might have trained a little harder and, you know, your legs don't jump across the ground quite as quick as what they would if you were fresh. And I think that had a little bit to do with it. And I also remember back that we didn't really have the aggression or aggressive nature that we needed to have, which we had had previously going into those games as well. That had dropped off a little bit. So, you know, I think we we sat down and we addressed all those sort of things, probably lightened up training a little bit. And I thought I thought we really showed a fair bit in the game against Lavington, actually. It might have been the game, the 17th round, I think it was, before we played Corroa. And we got beat by 10 points, and, and I, I remember it was quite wet. But the boys, you know, put their bodies on the line in that game. We got, And we only just got nutted, as I said, by 10 points. Well, I felt that, that that was a turning point, that we were on our way back. And then, obviously, the game against Cryo-Rutherham, when we won that, well, I knew we were on the way back. Um, everyone had got their minds right, their bodies right, and uh, got back to playing how we decided to play from the very start of the year. So. That, that they were the two t- turning points to before the finals actually started was that Lavington game and also the Kyra-Rutherland game, which was a really, really tough game down at Kyra. The leading goal kicker was Steve Jones with 106, becoming the first ever Yarrawonga player to kick the century of goals. Daryl Bakes finished with 96 and Myrtleford's Peter Russ-Cutlick third with 93. Wayne Thomas from Albury won the seconds goal kicking with 49. Qualifying final, and the selectors brought Jeff Boyle into the side after four weeks out with a groin injury. Russell McNuff was still missing with a shoulder injury from round 17. The Tigers' brains trust had put a lot of preparation into the game on the back of the round 15 thrashing Benalla had given them. The planning was executed superbly with a magnificent finals performance giving Aubrey a convincing 18-16-124 to 13-5-83. For the first half, it was Benalla showing the way, leading 11 goals 1 to 8 goals 5. The Tigers' third quarter was superb, kicking 7 unanswered goals to take full control. Cole Watson completely dominated his wing, while Peter Taylor restricted Benalla star Russell Marshall to just 2 goals. Ross Hillary had 32 possessions in the midfield. Jeff Duck and Mark Britton defended superbly. Dallas Kotzer dominated his wing and veteran Terry Cross relished his return to the centre. Russell Campbell, Shane Fitzsimmons and Gary Harmer all booted three goals in the ultimate team effort. The elimination final, Wangaratta Rovers ended North Aubrey's premiership defence with a 27-point win at the Lavington Sports Ground. Aubrey Thirds had a commanding win over Lavington by 31 points to keep its season alive. Aubrey made one change for the second semi-final at Bunton Park against Lavington, with Paul Walk coming in for Jeff Boyle. The Tigers' thirds defeated Coral Ravaglen by 11 points in the first semi-final, with Stewie Thompson best on ground. The Tigers' reserve-grade side ran into a red-hot Wangaratta, losing by 67 points, with Mark Wallace the Tigers' best. In the seniors, Aubrey were to pay dearly for a poor start, with Lavington kicking five goals to one in the first quarter, and then following up with a six goals to four second term to lead by 36 points at half time. The Tigers completely dominated the third quarter, kicking seven goals five to Lavington three goals straight to be within seven points at the last change after they'd got to within a point after a Russell Campbell goal. Both teams had seven scoring shots in the final term, with Aubrey kicking seven behinds and Lavington four goals three to leave Lavington 27-point winners and direct entry into the 1985 Grand Final. Russell Campbell, Greg Butler, Terry Cross, Jay McNeil and Shane Fitzsimmons sparked the second-half revival. Jeff Duck and Rod Coelli were solid in defence. Daryl Bakes kicked two goals five to be stuck on 99 goals for the season going in to the preliminary final. The Tigers' opponent in the preliminary final would be Wangaratta Rovers, who stormed home to beat Benalla by five points with a goal in the final seconds, 
the only time they were in front on the scoreboard. Selectors made three changes for the game at Martin Park, with Russell McNuff, Richard Fisher and Mark Wallace coming into the side at the expense of Steve Taylor, Paul Walk and Grant Burdak. The day started badly for Aubrey, with the thirds going down to Wodonga by 39 points, with Tommy McGrath the Tigers' best. The reserves went down in a high-scoring thriller to North Aubrey, 133-122, to with Laurie McGuinness and Morris Eames starring. The first quarter of the main game was highlighted by Darrell Bakes bringing up his 100th gold as Aubrey took a two-point lead into quarter time. Aubrey then unleashed a brilliant second quarter, kicking seven goals four to one goal one to extend the lead to 41 points at the long break. The quarter was soured by an injury to assistant coach Rod Coelli, who took a philosophical approach to the misfortune. Realistically, it was the most simplest thing. Uh, in a game of footy, I probably would have you know, fallen forward thousands of times. And I just um, put my arm out and stopped the fall hitting the ground and um, it just went crack. didn't hurt or anything. It was, just a, it was just a fracture in one of the main bones down the bottom of the arm. wasn't wasn't real bad, but um, it was bad enough I had to go off. So I think, um, you know, that night uh, after I uh, x-rayed it, it was broken and started thinking about the local doctor. I said, mate, how the hell are we going to make so I can play this <laughs> with this broken arm? And he said, oh, we'll make up a cast and all that sort of stuff. And anyway, I was talking to a few of the officials and they said, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> so it's it's not good not playing, but at the end of the day, I was probably involved just as much sitting on the bench. So it made a big difference. And I think that, uh, you know, we probably got Richard Fisher on the ground a lot earlier than, than what probably would have been the case. And, and, and he was he was a big plus for us. So, so I, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't totally disappointed that I didn't actually play because, um, you know, I suppose it's the main thing you look forward to playing in a grand final. But I think I was just involved as much as, as, um, as I would have been playing, I think. Nine goals to five in the second half saw Aubrey finish 63-point winners. The inclusion of Richard Fisher worked a treat, with the big man kicking six goals. Darrell Bakes potted five, while Cole Watson played a blinder on his wing and booted four goals. Terry Cross was outstanding in the centre. Jeff Duck was voted best of field with his clearing dashes and strong marking in defence. Brendan Higgins, Ross Hillary and Dallas Kotzer were others to shine. Russell Campbell reflected back on how the team would cover for Rod Coelli's loss. You know, no doubt he was a huge loss. He was my assistant coach. Went to for a lot of advice many, many times. The thing is, in our team, when we actually put it together right from the very start, it was, it was all about TAM team. And if there was a player to miss, no matter who it was, and as much as what Rod is a, is a legend around the Aubrey Footy Club and a fantastic person and player, we had enough depth, I felt, that year to cover it because we're all playing for the same thing. And when players buy into something, it doesn't matter who you've got on there in a lot of cases. I know you still have to have class, but they, they seem to still be able to keep you up there. And I feel that that actually was a really important ingredient looking way back and how we set ourselves on how we wanted to be successful and buy into how we wanted to approach and play. And did Co try to have a run did he try to convince you that he yeah that i'll be yeah. right mate then that's yeah, sort of no going. doubt yeah you know you know no doubt but you know the dead set giveaway was the cask on the arm it didn't help much so, <laughs> so he said no you better just sit in the coach's box and direct play you know from from the outside and look he was a fantastic person co and he was a great great assistance and that and the players all looked up to him and he did a fantastic job off the field as much as he'd love to be on the ground playing he's still part of our premiership team and of course, Peter Taylor was a pretty good choice. You'd be able to replace him at centre half back, and young Ducky at the time swing him into fullback. Yeah, you did have some good options there. Yeah, we we did have options, and lucky enough, you know, had a little bit of height there with Ducky. You know, pretty fresh on the scene, but you know, full of life, and you know, wanting to get up and go. And we could put him where we wanted to put him, whether it be um, centre half back or fullback. And then you got Pete Taylor. You know, like. Pete, just once he crosses that line, he's very, very competitive, Pete. And I always had the utmost, you know, utmost uh, respect for Pete, the way that he played, because he always put his body on the line, as did most of our players. So we always had options to cover players. And, you know, it wasn't so much about 
whether they played at centre half back or fullback. It was more about who we're going to match up on. And as I said earlier, you know, with the Lavington side, we pretty much had a good idea as to who would be playing where. And it was only a matter of matching on wherever those players went, especially when you're setting up your back line. The evening after the preliminary final, the Morris Medal was won by Lavington Rover Ralphie Albers, polling 16 votes to edge out Yarrawonga's Jeff Long by one vote, with Coral Rubber Glen's Dennis Sandrell and Benalla's Terry Greaves a vote behind in third. Greg Butler from Aubrey was next on 13 votes. Coral Rubber Glen's Paul Popeye Livingston took out the Reserve Grade Award with another Coral Rubber Glen player, John Pulling, winning the thirds on a countback from Benalla's Paul Greaves. So Lavington went into the grand final massive favourites, having beaten Aubrey three times during the season. In a pre-game poll, seven of the eight coaches in the league tipped Lavington to win. With no Coelli, the Tigers were given no chance. Even some of Tigerland's most ardent supporters felt the same. But not Coach Campbell, as he explains. Yeah, look, the, the beauty of that is, like, Lavington might have beat us three times, but, geez, we did plenty of planning around it. Gave us the opportunity to really sort of sort a few things out and positional moves and so forth, and also did a lot of homework on, on the opposition players, as in Lavington. And just a couple of little things that we changed around. If we could keep our desire and, and our aggressiveness up uh, throughout a game, because our tackling when it was on was on. We were pretty, pretty fierce at tackling and so forth and getting in amongst everything. We worked out a couple of uh, players that we needed to sort of sit on a little bit. Once we'd done that and we moved a couple of other players, which would be unsuspecting, we would think, from the opposition. Uh, and as naturally what happens is when you're winning game after game, you tend to just keep playing your own game plan and don't pay as much respect to the opposition, whoever it may be. And whether that was the case for the opposition, I'm not sure. But I do know that we, we certainly put a lot of things in place and worked very, very hard on, on, on making that come together on grand final day. It was backs to the wall for Aubrey, and it was just the tonic coach Russell Campbell needed. Has he planned and schemed? He left no stone unturned. We sort of thought about how we wanted to play against Lavington when we got to the grand final. And this is obviously when we got there, we had that ready to go. Day before, the Saturday afternoon, I actually went on my own, went for a drive across to the Wodonga Sports Ground, grabbed the footing, went out on the ground myself, had a bit of a run, have a few kicks and probably spent, I don't know, an hour or so on the ground just looking, going across different parts of the ground because... You really only get to really play on the ground when you play there, which would have only been once that year, I reckon. I played on that ground myself. Just knowing um, you know, how far out from goal you are, like where the lines are drawn, how far you kick. I remember myself just having a few kicks myself, seeing how far I could kick the ball, you know. As much as you see those 50-metre lines, they're not always accurate, I don't reckon, wherever you go. So so I had a fair idea with, with that. And then when I come home, I sort of – you know, I went back through everything again that night and then it was important that we somehow put uh, Lavington off and took away some of their strengths from their back line because Ray Mack was a very good centre-half back for Lavington. He was a stumbling block for a lot of teams throughout that year where you just sort of continually kick it up and it goes to him all the time because he positions himself very well. We, we had something set up whereby he didn't really know who he was going to be on when he went out onto the ground. He might have known in his own mind, but... Really, the positions that we play were totally different, I believe, than what they would have thought we were going to play in the forward line. We had Richard Fisher, who actually played in the forward pocket but ended up starting up at centre-half forward uh, at the start of the game, and he'd roll back to the forward pocket, taking back that player, and then that left that real big gap at centre-half forward for someone to run into, and, of course, that was for me to move through that area. So it took him a while to sort that out who was playing where, and Fish got away a little bit, and in the end, he ended up with a couple of mismatches on him, yeah, which is what I was looking for. So it just worked so well, and we weren't kicking it just to the long kick all the time. We were making sure yeah, that we had space and someone to lead to, whether it was myself or one of the other forwards, or they had room to go. We opened it up quite well. So yeah, so that, that worked a treat for us, along with a few other things. Work a treat it did, as Aubrey, led by coach Russell Campbell in front of over 10,000 spectators, made a great start with the inspirational leader, 
bamboozling the Blues Brains Trust as he led them a merry dance up forward. Right, Peter Cross now about to put the Tigers into attack, drives the ball up towards centre-half board, the players fly, makes his up front hand with this, Campbell comes in, shoots in towards goal, it's running into an open goal, and Ross Campbell, captain coach for the Albury Tigers, gets the first major on the board, and they lead now 1-1-7 to Lavington yet to score. Campbell it is, right, Russell Campbell playing a great uh, opening few minutes for his side, and a great captain coach this year for the Tigers. Russell Campbell comes in now, about 35 metres out. I'd say he's made no mistake with this one. There's another major on the board for the Tigers. That's his second, Bruce. That's his second, and he's kicked for Albury's now 2-2 to no score. Coming in now is Kotzer, drives it down to centre-half forward. A beautiful pass that time. And taken at the centre-half forward position by Russell Campbell. Campbell now, right on the edge of the diamond, as you can see. Kicking towards the Beechworth end. A slight breeze favouring him. He should make the distance. The accuracy will be the only problem. I think he might have put it right through the centre. Well, what a great captain coach of game as Russell Campbell puts his side further in front. 3-2 to Lavington, two points. Lavington hit back with goals to Stewart and Cassidy before Brendan Higgins and Shane Fitzsimmons booted goals for Aubrey to keep the margin at three goals. Stewart got his second, and then just before the first break, Big Darrell Bakes brought the Tiger crowd to their feet. But Pions is the umpire again, going away soon now. Watson, Watson drives him forward, right up the centre. Bakes is underneath it, and he's taken a magnificent mark. Christ stumbles right at the wrong moment. And this allowed Darrell Bakes to regain his balance and take a beautiful grab. Only around about 15 to 20 metres out of goal on a very slight angle and could put the Tigers in a very good uh, commanding position. Uh, coming up to the last couple of minutes of this round term. And there it is, right through the centre. Darrell Bakes now kicking his first goal for the quarter. Up they come. Nobody really got the tap as the siren goes for quarter time. The score at the moment will be 6-3-39, laving them 3-2-20. And uh, certainly the long-kicking game move is the way to go home. The second quarter was all Lavington, as Aubrey were kept scoreless as the Blues added four goals six. The Tigers' defence under siege was brilliantly led by Jeff Duck, Mark Britton and Peter Taylor. Lavington hit the front for the first time halfway through the quarter and then a late goal to Jeff Cassidy gave them an 11-point lead at half-time. Taken by Hillary, he handballs to nobody. Lawrence is coming through. Uh, nearly copped an elbow too as he went through. Picked up by Stewart. He's kicked it up. It's a two-man duel up here. And it's going to be Cassidy who's got the ball. But it's coming in. It's going to be Ralphie Albers for, I think, possibly his second effective kick of the match. And Ralphie Albers uh, scouting well. Well done by the coach. And uh, just looking at the front. score, it's put Lavington in front for the first time of the match. They go to a two-point lead. 6-3-39, Albury. 6-5-41 to Lavington. Right, well, we come to the 26-minute mark of the second quarter. Lavington leading at the moment by five points. A bounce up, and this time it's going to be a free kick to Stanlake. He's about, oh, about 65 metres out. He's gone for a pass out to Cassidy. Cassidy's in front and takes the mark. That time... Oh, it was a good battling mark. It was, uh, it's it's been a good duel between them. It was strength. strength he just he held, held his he ground, held, he held took the step out. forward, yeah. took the step back, and then yeah. uh, maintained it. Cassidy well within kicking distance, only about uh, 35 metres out. Cassidy lines it up. Laurie McInnes uh, there on his mark, but uh, no worries about that. Drifted across, came back, and there's a goal to Lavington. And they go to seven goals, eight, and they're leading uh, Albury six goals, three, as we come to the 27-minute uh, mark of this second quarter. Up we come into the centre. Umpire Ian Clayton bounces the ball up high. Covenane and Brower. Covenane gets the advantage of the tap to Hillary. He's been a very constructive player for Albury so far. Put up there towards Fisher. Fisher can't get hold of it. As the siren goes at the 27-minute mark of the second quarter, Lavington leading seven. 8.50, Albury 6.3.39 and Merv King, a pretty poor effort by the Albury side that quarter. Very disappointing, I think uh, Laving strength is starting to tell on Albury Graham I think uh, they're getting to the ball first now and uh, their big man power is really starting to take over Albury at the moment. The third quarter was a beauty, with the lead changing on four occasions, as Albury hit back straight after the restart. Ross Hillary, good grab from Ross Hillary. Cullinane could have marked that ball in front of it. Hillary sat over the back of the pack. Short kick into Russell Campbell. Into, uh, Notice Russell uh, Campbell. Campbell's on his own a fair bit. Yeah, yeah, he's covering a lot of ground. Right? Yeah, covering the full low ground, back line and forward line. Here's right. Russell Campbell now who kicked uh, three goals in the first quarter. Of course, Aubrey haven't kicked any goals since. This could be the breaking of the drought for them. I think he's put it right through. So Russell Campbell getting his fourth goal. And Aubrey's first goal since the end of the uh, first quarter. But uh, the tap goes away that Aubrey, but Bruce Stewart tries to shark it out of the centre. He can't do so. There's uh, Kotzer now. He gets the ball across to Campbell again. And, oh, yes, he's going to grab it. Is. 
Good play out of the centre there, Orby, with Campbell again taking that one up, shooting it right down there in the forward line, and a top grab by Richard Fisher. Uh, Bruce, I was told by an Orby player at half-time that that breeze out there is worth three goals to the Beechworth end. Right. Well, they better take advantage of it this time, Mervyn. Here's Richard Fisher coming in now, about 45, 50 metres out. Split it's a beautiful kick and goal up by Hattenburg. Two goals in less than two minutes to Orby. That one by Richard Fisher. And again, Russell Campbell, of course, uh, took part in that one by getting the ball up there, a beautiful kick. And Orby break away and... Uh, well, Brian, this will all be looking a bit better now. Come right, on, Richard again. Fisher, here he comes for the replay of that mark. In front, bounces out, and the big long arms out. And as you saw, he followed that up with a goal. And the score now, Aubrey 8-5, 53 to Lavington, 7-9-51. Danny Murphy and Peter Copley, both gold for Lavington to take a 10-point lead. The Tigers, refusing to concede, got back in front again. Punched away, though, by Brower. Coming in to get it this time is Watson. He gets the ball away. A kick now by Aubrey up to the four line. The player set themselves. Oh, almost a great grab that time to Fitzsimmons. But he gets the ball away to a teammate. Bubbles up there. Got his and it's a goal. Well, it's really got to the stage, Bruce, if it's uh, Russell Campbell versus Lovington because he's kicked five That's and there's right. nobody else on the forward line doing much at all. That's right. A great goal by Campbell. By G. Murphy's put in a great seems to have a, a great corner. Seems to have a great lot of time to deliver the ball, doesn't he, Bruce? Picked up. There it is. Fitzsimmons not played it. Recovered well by Campbell. Onto the left foot. Deliberate shot. And you can see Butler was uh, right at the start. He was giving them the advantage there and uh, it's gone through. Well, a free kick paid to Aubrey at the centre bounds due to the fact that a Lovington player was inside the square. Brower kicked a big 60 metre one, Stevens at the back couldn't handle it, Bakes, inside underneath, it's a, it's a scramble taken by Stevens. he's broken away with pace, he's gone right down the far side with a long hand ball over towards Paul Lawrence, Lawrence has kept the ball in front of him, he can't handle it, it's going to be a Lavington kick, is it, or an Aubrey kick? Uh, he's, yeah, I don't understand this at all, Britain it is, he's had the shot right down and it's going to be a mark to Fisher, no, play on says the umpire and out of bounds Knocked down, here's a chance for Aubrey, it's began inside, he's pushed it uh, through to goal. Goal to uh, Higgins, who got that one, 49, running back, and the, the Lavington player's not real happy about that one, but, uh, well, it's on the board, young Higgins, he did the right thing, the name of the game has put it through, and that's the goal to Higgins, that takes the score up now to Aubrey, 10-6, 66 to Lavington, 9-9, Well, he's played a great game, Higgins, and deserves a goal there, Graham. As the game entered time on, Lavington hit back to take the lead. Lavington in possession of the ball now, going up forward, running in underneath it. We find Schultz and he's taken the ball and put it through. Or we left that goal square right unattended. All the players concentrating on play further down the ground. This allowed young Schultz to come in and kick a pretty valuable goal for Lavington at this stage of proceedings as we're about 30 seconds into our time off. Who's there? Tap it away. Ralphie Alves down to Paul Lawrence. He can't get a handball away. Finally does so. There's Schultz. Been a very effective player over the brilliant Brucey Stewart. He'll take one bounce. Comes in for another one. Runs into an open goal. Drives it down. Is he offline? No! He's found the long stick. And that's a great goal for Brucey Stewart. He gets a big right foot up, pushed out, but Duckett was. Good mark, and uh, Cullen Aim was our fox that time, and uh, Duckett was who took the mark. Possibly Albury's uh, best player as the three-quarter tyrant siren goes. Lavington 11-9-75, Albury 10-7-67, 30 minutes of play, and uh, Albury have got the job ahead of them now. The final quarter was nothing short of sensational, as 10 goals were kicked, with eight of them coming in a 15-minute burst. The Tigers' hopes took a massive hit when Lavington's big man, Ray Mack, booted the all-important first goal of the last quarter to give the Blues a 15-point lead. Drives the ball, Lavington now. It was Copley, who's played a champion game since coming onto the ground. There's been a McIntyre at the ball now. His kick's a good one. Up towards the forward line. Oh, there we are. Uncontested mark that time by Mack. Because back in the line, forward line, Bruce. Back in the forward line. That's an interesting move too. And I think, uh, well, probably at this stage, a few key moves by Lavington could... Uh, Keep the game uh, right where it is for them, and that's in front. Big Ray Mack. About 30 to 40 metres down. That's uh, a good kick, and it's gone right through the centre. And that's uh, Ray Mack's first goal. Up on the forward line, Ray Mack can take full advantage of that with a good grab. And uh, puts the uh, Lavington side further in front now. 12-10 to 10-7. The Wooden Spooners from last year just refused to give in as they mounted a breathtaking fight back with four goals in six minutes as the pro-Tiger crowd roared. Bakes, oh, good handball into open territory where Ross Hillary runs about two players, comes in, could this be the reply? 
Young Butler passes it. Good pass too, and it's going on in the chest. There, Rob, uh, is that Richard? And it's uh, Richard Fisher who uh, looks to be in the forward pocket changing in the ruck. I don't think they've gained any. I don't think they've gained anything by that kick, really. It's put him in a bit deeper into the pocket. He'd be probably better off centering the ball at that stage. Here's a chance for Richard Fisher to put the Tigers uh, within three points. It's a beautiful kick, too. He's going to wrong. And uh, there it is. Aubrey go to 12 7, Lavington 12 10. We're seven minutes into the last quarter. Darrell Bakes with the ball, left footer, brings it back to Hillary. Hillary's got the ball and he's right on the edge of the square, around about 65 metres out. And he's a beautiful kicker for footballer, this ex derivatory footballer who's been down here two years now in his second year with the Albury Tigers. Oh, it's a long kick, high in the air. Brewer's underneath it, so is Cullinane. Bakes gets it, kicks it off the ground, it's bounced, it's a goal! Oh! It's a goal! Bakes, out of the pack, snaps it, and the Tigers have hit the front at the nine-minute mark of the last quarter with a great effort by Daryl Bakes there. Had nowhere to go but put it on the boot. And uh, Daryl Bakes it is who's put the Tigers in front at the ten-minute mark, and they've certainly got a run on. Foot it goes there that time. Here's a chance for Russell Campbell. He's under pressure from the, the Blues, but he gets around onto his left foot, lollies it across. Here's a chance. Three of them underneath it. Here's Harmer on his own. Nobody around him. He can't control it, but well done that time. Taken by Butler, who's determined and dogged, but Harmer recovers well. Goes for a short pass, and there it is. Two, two players together. One's Big Brower. Oh, the boot, the whole lot goes, and here's Fisher. Oh! In front, Richard Fisher. Well, we're having a look at uh, Fisher going back now with a chance to put the Tigers uh, nine points up. We've got a ball going in our hands now, Graham. Oh, it's a beauty. I'll tell you what the Butler's heard too, Graham. Looks Richard pretty Fisher. good. It's a beautiful kick. It's and the Tigers go oh. nine points in front. Aubrey go to 14-7, uh, it must be, to 12-10 Lavington, and we're 11 minutes into the last quarter. Richard Fisher getting a little help along there from the Comet man. Lavington got the margin back to just three points when Doug Norton Smith gold before Richard Fisher inserted himself into Tiger folklore with his third goal for the quarter and fourth for the game. Jay McNeil, been pretty quiet so far today, the uh, number 30. He's gone for the short pass. It's a beautiful pass. Oh, Bakes what has a got river. it over on the far side, but he's on his right <laughs> foot too because he's a left footer, and he's got a chance now uh, only about oh, 20, 25 metres at the absolute outside, uh, out from the Albury attacking goal. Here's Daryl Bakes, 100 goal full forward. He's laid back. He's left it up in the air. It's lobbing. Everybody up. Fisher. Oh. Fisher, he's got a chance though to kick his third, third for the quarter. Richard Fisher, deliberate shot, oh it's gone straight through the centre two, and the Albury Tigers go nine points up again, 15-7-91, Lavington. Three minutes later, the grand final was back on a knife edge, as Lavington responded through Danny Murphy. Peter King, the champion for Lavington, comes in, drives the ball high and long, the struggle up there, tapped away by Cross, there's a... Jay McNeil, he can't get it away. Copley, the brilliant player for the Blues, now gets the break, drives the ball long. Underneath at that time is Danny Murphy. Oh. Well, I reckon Lavington will be pretty <laughs> pleased to see this guy back on the ground. Danny Murphy, who uh, sustained an ankle injury, was carried off the ground in the third quarter. He's back on now, taking a mark, comes in to kick towards goal. This is one that Lavington won. That's the eighth goal. Danny has to run him down. As Lavington moved within three points. As they come up now to 15-7, Aubrey 97, and it's 14-10, which would be 94, Lavington. The next seven minutes was end-to-end, hard-in-mouth football for supporters of both teams as players gave everything before Daryl Bakes sent Tigers supporters into raptures. But taken away this time by Pat Murphy. He can't get a clear break of the ball. It's going to be a free kick now. Aubrey down there to Bates. The brilliant Daryl Bates outplaying his opponent at that time, getting in front, using his body well. We're right on time on as Daryl Bates comes in for the Tigers. It's a beautiful kick to go on by the Third goal to Daryl Bates at 6 1 for the quarter. To 3 1 Lavington, their double Lavington score in this quarter, 14 8, 16 8 to 14 10.
Blues coach Jeff Cassidy, goal, with a minute left to give the game one final twist, leaving the Tigers to hang on for dear life under unbelievable pressure. He'll probably go around about 30, but then again, you never know. Tap over the top, it's a chance for Cassidy. He's got the ball. He's trying to balk it in. Cross has put pressure. Cassidy's kicked it back into play, and it's a goal. Great goal. It's a goal by Cassidy. Great and, uh, goal. Great goal. Good lift for two. It's probably only about a minute and a half to go, and it's uh, at the moment uh, just checking the scoreboard up there. It's three points, the difference again, with Lavington uh, getting that goal there from Jeff Cassidy. What a champion's goal, bro. Oh, it's a pressure goal. 15-11 to 16-8 as we see the ball bouncing the centre, umpire Ian Clayton, and it's Lavingham's kick, there's a free kick, five in the centre for Albury, and it's going to be Stanlake, 27 and a half minutes, he Look kicks it long, kick. everybody's there, there's going to be 15 go up for the pack, knocked out, taken this time by Albers, he can't control it, the umpire's raced it, he's going to bounce the ball at centre half forward for the uh, Lavingham side, only seconds to go, but it's three points the difference, Albury in front, they're yelling out, ring the siren in front of us here, we're over the top of the, the coaches, uh, the judges' box, it's Brower, well done Peter Brower, there's Prenagas, he's got to get there first, Higgins is coming out after two-man duel, Prenagas with the ball, punches it over, oh, Make Butler. It by Butler, away goes Butler, Butler's got the ball, two bounces, he goes for the kick, it's a long kick and it's up to Fisher, oh. can't handle it, taken this, it's a goal, there's a siren, there's a siren, it's over, three points the difference. Points the difference they haven't. The umpires haven't signalled yet. Now the umpire in control signals full time, and the Albury Tigers have run out winners by three points. The last quarter hero, Richard Fisher. It was a perfect finish to a bumpy road. Had a couple of ordinary games, and then I was expecting to get dropped. And sure enough, I did. And then the first game in the twos that I played. I got my, my thumb caught up in the jumper of one of the Mangaratta guys. So I broke the thumb, it went right angles to the rest of the thumb, the, the top joint. The bone was sticking out, trundled off, and the hospital at that stage was still opposite the sports ground, basically. So had it operated on and put a pin in it. Surgeon at the time, I think he's fairly conservative. He said, you're not going to play again for the for the rest of the year. So I thought, oh, bugger, it's only a thumb. I'd only just said to a couple of the guys, sort of in a few weeks leading up, that I said, I think we've got a pretty good team here. I reckon we might be able to give it a, give it a bit of a shake. But I just decided this time I'll leave no stone unturned. And every night I just I just run 200 after 200. So from point post around the boundary to the other point post, and while the other guys trained and pretty fit by the end of the end of the season, so um, tried to get myself back into the team. This when did you get back into that side? I played the last game of the season in the twos down at Cora Rutherglen. To say I was ordinary was probably, um, you know, I was just rusty as all hell. But in the second semi in the twos again, I, I actually played okay. And then I got myself back into the team in the seniors for the preliminary final. Made it back in style, six goals, four. Yeah, it was one of those games where I was probably a confidence player more than anything. So if I didn't get a touch early, it was probably not a good sign for the rest of the game. But yeah, I got a couple of touches early, got a couple of shots on goal, managed to get a couple through the through the middle, and then yeah, the confidence just went through the roof. Plus, it was very warm. But I was, as I said, I was um, I was pretty fit, so that that helped me a hell of a lot. I was probably the third banana in the in the team behind Bakesy and uh, Russell Campbell. Yeah, the ball fell my way and. Got a few goals, which was good because it was sort of an all or nothing thing. So if I'm in there and I have a shocker, I'm probably out again the following week. I thought, yeah, I'm going to make the most of this. And yeah, everything just turned out for the best. And then, of course, grand final day. and Playing on um, Pat Murphy, pretty tough guy to play on. I managed to kick one on him, I think it was. I was sort of thinking to myself, geez, I'm going to end up on the bench soon because I'm not playing that well. But then, yeah, the last quarter, things just fell my way. I, I got onto one close to the boundary line. I don't think it was meant for me. I think it was meant for Russell Campbell, but it sort of fell short and I was there and I, I got it. And A fairly difficult shot on the boundary, but I, it went through, so that sort of got the confidence up. I got on the end of a couple more. There was a bit of a shank from Lurch Brower out of the out of the middle that went over towards the scoreboard side and I, I was in front, marked that and got a goal and then a few minutes later got, a, got another one. So I think that last one might have got us in the lead by about Two or three points. I sort of benefited because Russell Campbell was turning it on in set up 40, kicked five goals. Or So I think Pat might have got moved over to him and I got Crunchy Bar came off the bench and I, I played on him in that last quarter. So I was I was pretty lucky to get on the end of a few and it was sort of a yeah, dream dream come true type type thing where you can, you managed to kick a kick a few goals in the end to help you help your your team get over the line. 
we got like a lot of there was a lot of word in amongst the lads how Russell Campbell used to play in the final series. Like if you get in the finals, we heard a lot of whispers about where he come from and how good he was in the finals. And boy, did he did he show up. And he really showed up. You know, I think it was five five goals he kicked. But just he's you know, he's into like his verbal influence. He's, um, you know, he was there, just couldn't believe what he was doing. So, Russell, what he did that day, I thought was unbelievable. You know, he, if you know, if you ever watched it again, it's just, it was just from from the get from when he uh, did the talk at the at the uh, at the beginning of the game until the end, and his his speech at the end was just as good. But you know, prior to the game too, he was very very. Good species might be. You ran out bulletproof, so that that's a good thing, you know. With Mouse Eames, I'll never forget him running over to me, picking him, picking me up, or attempting to pick me up anyway. <laughs> and he's, he was crying. He, he was running up crying. He's looking at me and he's crying and crying. And I said, "Come on, mate, we're going to be so." And and one of the the most important things from that year was it wasn't just about the players it was about everyone at the club i've come across um, a club like the orbit club where you know the presidents right through to you know the team managers the trainers uh, you know the runners the whole lot of them you know it was just such a fantastic bunch of people to be to be a part of and and peter miller was probably as i said my go-to more than anyone because he was the one that i had more contact with than anyone because as far as when I got to the club, but so many good people it takes to run a club. You know, fundraising, anything that keeps the club afloat, all those people are important. And it's just it was just a good club. And we, the players that played on that day, just we, we had the opportunity to represent the Aubrey Footy Club. And uh, our supporters were fantastic right through that, whether you love or hate Aubrey Tigers. The ones that love them certainly love them. And, and we had some fantastic celebrations after it. And, um, and everyone got... They're just rewards, not just the players, but all the committee and the fundraisers and everyone that was the trainers and runners and so forth. So it was a very collective um, collective effort and uh, one that was uh, well-deserved by all. I, I just think that our side, it wasn't a, a team of champions, you know the old saying, it just wasn't. There was a lot of hard work, there was a lot of um, commitment from everyone that was involved, in, especially in the team situation. I, it was just a... It was just a big effort by everyone, and and I I'm so proud that they all believed in me as a coach to be able to you know, to lead them in that way because they bought into how I how I coached them back in the day. I was very disciplined and self-driven, and this is the way it's got to be done, and and still seek out information and and talk to players. I always did that, but yeah, it was just a very enjoyable year and. The 1985 Aubrey Tigers Premiership team was from the back line, Mark Britton, Jeff Duck, Laurie McGuinness, halfbacks, Peter Cross, Peter Taylor, Jay McNeil, centre line, Dallas Kotzer, Terry Cross, Colin Watson, half forwards, Greg Butler, Russell Campbell, Brendan Higgins, forward line, Gary Harmer, Daryl Bakes, Richard Fisher, the Rucks, Peter Brower, Ross Hillary, Shane Fitzsimmons. Interchange, Mark Wallace, Russell McNuff. Emergencies, Jeff Boyle, Paul Walk, Grant Burdak. Missing with injury, assistant coach, Rod Coelli. There you have it. Without doubt, one of the great premiership victories in the long history of the Aubrey Tigers. A huge thanks again to the Joss Group for making this episode possible. We hope you join us next time on Glory Days. For now, stay safe and thanks for listening.